Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. Uh, it smells really So it's up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay. So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> so how would you do? How would your children do? Well, each problem may be different than you think, and they would do differently. How do you do with temptation? With that temptation that's like your pet sin that you're prone or have propensity to? What do you do when that is in front of you? How do you respond to that? Is it possible for you to overcome? Is it possible for you to say no and, and to resist the temptation? Or do you just give in and just, just mow it down? Today we're going to address a very, very, very uh, interesting myth. The myth that says temptation leaves once I get saved. Is it possible that once you become a Christ follower, that you will never, ever again struggle with the sin that you had prior to salvation? Is it partially true or sometimes true that 
these things that you struggle with pre-salvation when you come to Christ, this magic wand went over your life and this area of your life that you struggle so terribly and for long term is now gone. It's no longer a trial or, or a temptation or a struggle for you. Is it possible for people to get saved and then these habits and patterns to be completely gone? You know, we've all heard stories. I know a personal story of my father who had prayed for for 13 years, came to Christ out of, uh, of alcoholism. And then when I was 18 years old, my father got saved. And, and I just recall him drinking alcohol on the weekends. It wasn't uncommon for him to be drunk and go through a case of beer. And in the moment of salvation, my father gave his life to Christ. And then immediately the desire for alcohol gone, never drank again. Is that what it should be for all of us? Or like some of us say, well, I better get saved again. Just give me, just go back at it because that didn't happen to me. When I gave my life to Christ, this pattern, this habit stayed with me. This temptation stayed with me. Is it possible when we come to Christ that the desire to drink or or, uh, to, to excess or to have this drug addiction, is it possible that it leaves us? Is it possible for those, those temptations to steal and gossip and, and to overeat and to, to binge or to have poor health habits? Is, is it possible that when we come to Christ, or does it happen when we come to Christ, that these propensities to do evil and sin, they leave us post-salvation? So, are we not truly saved at the same temptation that we struggle with at the moment before salvation is still there when we were redeemed afterwards? Is it, was it a true take? Was it genuine salvation or are we missing something? Salvation is not a magic wand that God waves over us. And he says, all right, come to me. When I wave this over you, then all this evil will leave you. In fact, if that was the case, then everyone would run for this salvation. I remember talking to a 78-year-old man and that I know, and I asked him this question. I said, so what's it like finally after 78 years to finally get to a point where you no longer are tempted to look at another woman? I said, it's got to be just freeing for you at 78 years old to finally get to a point where you're not tempted. And he looked at me square in the eyes. He said, Jim, when that happens, I'll let you know. It's like, great. I mean, just... Is, is so are these temptations, will they haunt us? These temptations that we have, will they, they follow us the rest of our lives? Is it possible to finally get to a point where we no longer struggle with temptation? I got to ask this question first. Is that a good thing? Is that something that you should strive towards? Is that something you're like, well, God, I want to strive towards that. I'm going to finally get to a point where I no longer struggle with temptation. Is that good for us? Is that what God desires? Seriously, if we got to a place where we never struggled again to sin, where we never had to make a decision between evil and good, right and wrong, is that best for us? If I ask you to get your blue books out today and answer that question, how would you respond right now? Is it best for you and me to get to a point where we never struggle with sin or temptation to sin again? Is that what God would want us? Is that where God would want us to be? How would you answer that question right now? Well, I'm going to ask you that question at the end of the service, but let's find out and see what God says and his word has to say. Grab your Bibles and turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to see if it's possible to finally get to a point where we no longer struggle with it. If you need a Bible, if you came in today and don't have a Bible, please hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. 
And when you find James chapter 1, look at verses 2 through 4. Stand with me. We're going to read this together. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James 1, verses 2 through 4. When you find it, stand and we'll read it together. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Have a seat, please. Go ahead and look back at your Bibles for a second. I just want to consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials. That word trials in the original in the Greek can be translated temptation or trials. Either one in this case would be appropriate. If you have some of the older versions have temptations. So, so James is saying this to us today. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, Christ followers. Whenever you face temptations and trials of many kinds, because you know that testing your faith produces perseverance. So let me ask you, how often do you wake up during the week, wake up and say, I consider it joy. I can't wait today. I get some trials and some temptations. Woo! Praise God. When's the last time you actually woke up and said that? How many of you did it this past week? Anybody woke up and said, woo! Let me ask you this. How many of you did it this past year? James says, consider it pure joy. In other words, it's done. It should be something that's part of your makeup, something that you think about, process. And when those come, you're like, all right, get to have some trials and some temptations today. And praise God, because at the end of this, if I work through, there's faith and there's maturity and there's perseverance. Why is that a good thing? The question is this, why is it a good thing? Because it makes us stronger. It gives us that taste of victory. When that wall is in front of us, when that struggle is in front of us, there's nothing like standing on the other side of this great trial, this great temptation, and to stand on the other side and with God's help say, yes, we did it. There's nothing sweeter than overcoming a habit or a temptation that you've struggled with the day before and the week before, maybe your whole life, and finally get on the other side with God's help and say, thank you, God. Why is that a good thing? You know why it's a good thing? It's because we lean on God. It's in those moments that we realize that it's because of God and our ability to lean on him and believing in him, that we get to the other side and we get to spend this kind of time with the father God that loves us. Besides, doesn't every father want to help his kids? God does too. And without a test, you have no testimony. When you really think about that, there is not a testimony unless you have a test. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 is one of my favorite passages to go to in scripture. And it says this, with the, with the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, they overcame the evil one. There's this sense that we can overcome Satan and overcome the demons and all the things that come our way by our testimony. And the testimony is that we're standing on the other side of victory. And we look back when this new trial comes, we can look back and we can testify to this test, this temptation that was brought our way. And we can say, by God's power, we did it. And when we testify that, the word of God says that Satan flees because he doesn't want to hear victorious victory reports about what Jesus did 
for us. He's afraid of us when we tap into the power of God. I think tests and temptations are in our lives so that we can rely on God. I want to discern and show you the difference between trials and temptations. Because what we're proposing today is this, that the myth that salvation, when we get saved, that temptations leave. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. A few books back, turn back in your New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Please turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. I'm going to show you the difference between trials and temptations. Because temptations is what we're addressing today. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. Paul says this. Who, by the way, at the end of his life in Acts, it says that he was a man after God's own heart. He says this. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Paul says this, inspired by the Spirit. He said, we do not want you to be what? What's the word? Uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great what? What's it say? Pressure. Far what? Beyond. Come on, help me out here. You got to help me out. Join in with me here. Far beyond our ability to what? Endure. So that we despaired even of what? Life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of what? Death. But this happened, that we might rely, not rely on ourselves, but on whom? God, who raises the dead. Obviously, there's a myth out there that we're not addressing today, but I'm just going to go too quickly. The myth is this. You'll hear people say all the time, in love mostly, they see a friend or a relative or a coworker going through something, and they say these words. And you've heard me speak on this over a year ago. It goes something like this. God would never give you more than you can handle. Let me tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God gives you more than you can handle. In fact, Paul says he'll give you stuff even that it feels like the sentence of death is on you. And he says he'll allow trials to come your way that are far beyond your ability to endure. So if someone comes to you, and you're going through a difficult trial, and they say, you know, it's, it's going to be all right. God will never give you more than you can handle. Say, don't lie to me. The Word of God says He will. And the reason He does is so that we rely on Him and not on ourselves. That's a good point to keep in mind, because that means that, that there will be things that come your way in this life, in this progression, progressive sanctification walk, that will be way more than you can handle. Some of you are saying, whew, finally someone told me. It felt like it was too much for me. There will be times it's too much for you. Otherwise, why would we need God if we never had times in our lives that we didn't have to rely on him? Now, what does he say about temptations though? Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn back a few chapters in one book to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says something different about temptations. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. Paul says, so if you think you are standing firm, be what? What's the word? Careful that you don't what? Fall. Know what? Temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be what? Tempted beyond what you can bear. Not trials, not tests, but tempted beyond what you can bear. 
Then it says this, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way, what? Out so that you can stand up under it. Difference is this. God does allow trials to come our way that are in our faith journey that are just too much for us. Not sinful trials, just trials. Trials that are just, they're too much for us to handle. And you know what? He'll allow things to come our way that are way more than we can endure, beyond our ability to endure, even like we feel like the sentence of death. It's like, I don't know if I can take any more of this. And then, but what he does say, he will not allow temptations come our way that are more than we can bear. God would never do that. It says he provides a way out for us. He also warns us not to think that we can get to a point where we get so strong that we'll never fall again. You know, all of us know that to be true. That assumes that we believe that that, that, that could happen. Here's what happened. If we ever get to a point, and we have these seasons of life, it's like we have great victory in this area and this thing that's been haunting us and this sin that's been a pattern of our life for a long time. So we have these great seasons like, wow, it's been good for like six months and a year, maybe two years. And then it's like, and you think, I will never struggle with that again. Praise God for that. And then out of nowhere, this thing comes and knocks you down at the knees. And the reality is this, that we will face those things again, especially if we think we can overcome on our own and pride sets in. Have you ever had victory over and over again in a particular area? And then out of nowhere, this thing just levels you and you find yourself and you're standing on the other side of defeat and saying, what did I just do? There's a sense of this awareness of how evil we can be in this old man that lives us and this sin nature that lives in us. And Paul is saying, be careful for those of you who said, I've arrived. I don't struggle with that anymore and I can do it. I'm strong. Send it our way. Come on, bring it on. And the word of God says, be careful lest you fall, one version says. Pride leads to destruction. He warns us not to think that we can get to a point where we will not have to lean on him to overcome this. You and I are one step away from ruining our lives. In all seriousness, we are. I know that to be true and you know that to be true. Some of us have worked many, many years to be people of integrity, people of character, and, 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 all, and it, sometimes it takes years to get the respect because you, you followed hard after God and, 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 and you've, you want people to know that you're a Christ follower and you've gained their respect. And all it takes is one moment of weakness and we give in to that. It'll destroy everything and it takes years to rebuild that. Don't dare think if you're not making a difference in the kingdom of God that there's not a bullseye on your back. And don't dare think that you won't have temptations brought your way that can come from within you and outside of you. The minute we think we're not going to fall, 1 Corinthians 10 says, oh my, watch out. How about this? Secondly, regarding this. Then if I continue to struggle, what did redemption do for me? Why get saved? It's like, why give my life to God if, and get redeemed if, if I'm going to battle this the rest of my life? Why get saved? What's the purpose of salvation? I hear that question asked to me often. So they'll say, Jim, so if I give my life to Christ, then so this stuff in my life, I really want to overcome. If I give my life to Christ, then I'll overcome all this. Is, is that what you're telling? No, I'm not telling you that. 
So if I give my life to Christ, I'll have victory. Yeah, you have some victory, but it's not, doesn't mean you have victory every day of your life. So why get saved then? What's the purpose of redemption if God can't wave this magic wand over me? Stop and think about that question for a second. Think about the benefits we have when we give our lives to Christ. We're ushered into a a life-saving, eternal relationship that rescues us from hell, gives us eternity with God in heaven, gives us hope that we can lay our heads down at night on the pillow and know if we breathe our last breath, our next breath is in the presence of God, gives us joy and peace when we walk through this life when trials come, gives us a God to lean on to walk us through trials and troubles, gives us a way out of temptation so that we don't have to sin, gives us peace and love like we've never experienced before, promises loaded all through scripture, having a friend that will never leave us nor forsake us. If that isn't incredible, I don't know what is. One step farther. It's time that many of us stop beating ourselves by saying this. I should not still be battling this sin. You know, we do that, by the way. We're we're really good at it, by the way. We, We believe in our minds somehow that we're so far down on this journey. I've been a Christian for 30 years or 20 years or 10 years, and it's been 10 good years. And I've been serving God. And it's like, when we finally get to a point, it's like, I still shouldn't be struggling with this temptation. It's like, somehow when you get to like the five-year mark or the 10-year mark, it's like 13.2 years, that's when you stop struggling or you should stop struggling with a temptation. It's like we put these benchmarks out there. You know, we do that as Christians too. We look at people and say, can you believe they still struggle with that temptation? And they've known Christ for 30 years. I've moved beyond that 27 years ago. We're really good at that. And it's like we cast the shame and guilt on people. And I want to say, there might be things that you'll struggle with the rest of your life. And that doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. Paul said that temptation in itself is not sin. James shows us too. In James chapter 1 and verses 12 to 14, it says temptation is not sin. It's what you do with that temptation. If you take it, it births itself into sin and it leads to death. Listen to me a second. It's not a sin to be tempted. Let's quit beating other people up who have these temptations in their life. And we say, are you still struggling with that? It's not sin to be tempted. This is where the enemy comes in, though. And he's got some of you in bondage, believing that, well, I've been a Christian for this long, and I'm leading this ministry, and I'm the boss of this group of people, and they know that I'm a Christian, and I should be overcoming this, and I shouldn't be struggling with this temptation any longer. And what happens, the shame and guilt that the enemy brings on us thwarts our Ability to press forward and advance the kingdom. You see, some of us, here's the next step. Some of us are afraid to admit to someone else that we still have a temptation in our life with fear that someone will say, really? You still struggle with that? Seriously, I I watch it happen all the time. We have these people who believe. And so you have these people who have these struggles in their lives and they won't admit it because they're afraid. The last time they admit it, someone gave them a look like, well, by now we, I thought you would be over that. 
And so we, we let these thoughts of other people thwart our pre- forward motion for God. And so w- what happens is we're in bondage and we never get victory because we don't have accountability. We don't have someone supporting us and we're afraid to admit. And so we stop moving forward and Satan has us right where we're at and we're redeemed people. It's a vicious cycle too. You wanting to overcome when on your own, but refuse to ask for help because of shame, only to find yourself falling again and again because of a lack of accountability with fear, someone will say, you're still struggling with that? You know, it's part of me sometimes when I hear people say that, I just wish I had this one little room just going and bang their head around a little bit. Just, I mean, the stuff that we come up with sometimes, and I say, where is that in God's word? That somehow we arrived and And by the time you're 6.7 in this walk with God, this temptation will never be there. Can we stop beating each other up with that lie? Because you don't struggle with it doesn't give you the right to sell someone else that they shouldn't be tempted with it. As if your temptation that you have that they don't have is better and theirs is worse. Can we set aside statements that go like this? One that says, I can't believe after all these years, they still struggle with. Can you believe Pastor Jim still is tempted with that? Man, that was like third grade for me. Can we get over those kind of statements or ones that go like this? They must not have a very close relationship with Jesus Christ or otherwise, they would have overcome that temptation by now. I have heard that over and over. And when I do, I call people out on it. Or... They must be hiding something because they don't seem to have addictive behaviors. I've heard people say that, well, just because they don't have addictive, they say they don't have addictive behaviors, they probably do. It's as if, well, everyone should have addictive behavior and they're just hiding it. Another thing, this lifelong struggle doesn't give you the right to continue to fall either. It's like you can say, well, Pastor Jim said that I'm going to have this the rest of my life, so 50% of the time I'm good, I'm going to fall. No, Pastor Jim didn't say that. The word of God says that God will provide a way out for that temptation. Let me speak to married couples right now. This is something that men talk about. And I've been in the circle of men. This is what we know to be true. A man in a marriage relationship could be tempted to look at a female. It's just, remember, no sin is, no temptation is any worse than your, and so... A man want, is tempted to look at a female. The wife sees that or hears that. And so all of a sudden she feels like she's not good enough for him or there's something wrong with her and her looks. Because if she was everything that he needed, then he wouldn't be tempted to look over there. And so what happens is she begins to believe this lie about herself that she's not beautiful, she's not worthy, and that somehow he hasn't, he, she isn't everything that he wants her to be. And so the lie is this, that's not necessarily true. A man could intrinsically love his wife with all his heart, be passionately in love with her, believe that she's the most beautiful woman in the world, tell her that regularly, show that to her, and at the same time could be tempted to look someone else not based upon what his wife looks like. And you might say, how can that be? It's because God has wired men and women differently. But let me say this out of this. Men, you better pursue your bride. You better make her feel like and show her that you do believe that she is the queen of your world. 
and that she is beautiful. You better chase her down and pursue her and show her that you love her with everything you got so that when that opportunity comes for her to wonder, she does begin to think, you know, I know that's not true because he loves me. He pursues me. He is hot on my tracks. But I'm telling you, that subject causes so much friction in marriage relationships because she can't believe that her man who is a Christ follower would ever be tempted to look at another female. Remember, ladies, it doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't think you are beautiful. But men, it gives you no excuse to hoard that over her. Even more so, chase her down, love her, do what Christ calls you to do. But don't let that little thing that Satan comes in, and he, you know what he does? He likes to fertilize that little thought, and he churns it up and says, he really doesn't love you, see? Look, or she'll come in, and, and he'll come in on you and say, man, look at her. She doesn't even believe in herself. Why, why would you want to pursue her? Why don't you go there? She believes in herself. And these lies that begin to come out of you must stand and say, where is the out that God has provided? I'm taking the exit ramp, quickly. Okay, as a reminder today, there is no temptation. Please hear me on this. There is no temptation that's worse, better, greater, lesser than any other temptation. Can you just, if if that's all you get today, drill that into your head. That somehow your man or your woman or your friend or your sin or your temptation, your, your temptation is like not as bad as someone else. God doesn't grade our temptations. He just doesn't. In other words, you better quit grading your relationship with Jesus by the name of your temptation. Well, I've been a Christ follower now for 20 years, and you know what? I don't battle with that temptation anymore. I've moved way beyond that one. As if you're better because you don't have a temptation. Can we stop just lobbing those little bombs, those verbal bombs, and we throw them into groups, and then we walk away? Like, oh, I feel, you know what it says? Take heed lest you fall. You are one step away from seeing your life miserably fall apart. By the way, you now have help beyond yourself to overcome before Christ, you didn't. So redemption gives you a helper, gives you someone to walk you through, gives you the exit out. Thirdly, in this whole concept, Victory is available every time. That's the good news. It is possible to have victory every time. It is possible. The Word of God says that. that It says that God provides a way out every single time when the temptation comes. For the record, we must realize that even though we will never be perfect on this side of eternity, and the sin nature lives inside of us, we will want to do what is wrong some of the time. We still have a choice not to sin. So don't walk out of here and say, well, Jim gave me the approval. So you know what? I'm just a sinful, wretched person. So just go sin. Man, let's go to the buffet and let's binge out this afternoon. I didn't say that. So I don't want you to leave this service and finally say, someone understands me finally and giving me the permission. Yeah, send me the chocolates now. I'm just... Or give me the credit card, honey. I'm shopping till I drop on Labor Day. No, I didn't say that. Jesus gives us some information regarding temptation. 
Turn back to Hebrews chapter 4, please. Hebrews chapter 4. Please turn there. Hebrews chapter 4, a few books over, right? If you get to James, turn left. It's one book back. Hebrews chapter 4, and look at verse 14. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. When I was a Grace College student, my math professor had us memorize this, and we quoted this every day before class. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 and 15. Therefore, since we have a high, great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is what? Unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been what? Tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without what? Sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love those truths that are recorded in those three verses because it's a reminder that God isn't standing there condemning us and saying, you still struggle with that? Wow, you're still tempted with that and you know me for how long? It says that Jesus has been tempted in every way just as we are and he understands. He doesn't throw judgment when we go to him and say, God, I need help with this temptation. It says he stands there with sympathy instead of judgment and says, come to me with confidence. I've been there. It's difficult. But with my help, we can get through this. It's a sense of overcoming. So the next time you think you can't overcome, just picture Jesus saying, come on, we can do this. Instead of him saying, you're still tempted with that again? No, he says, come on, we can do this together. The victory is available, but truth is we need a battle plan. So here's some steps that might help you. And they help me. We need some form of accountability. Now, by the way, accountability can be overrated if you don't have good accountability. If you're in an accountability group and you share something and, you're, and your accountability partner says, yeah, me too, I struggle with that too. Let's have a holy hug here. Oh, that's not accountability. You don't need that person. Because if they're not calling you out and they're not pushing you forward and they're just hugging you and, and being sympathetic with you because they're struggling too and you get together and you don't get anywhere because you know if you go share with that person that they're not going to call you out and with holy love and challenge you, then get rid of that accountability. That's not accountability. That's just two people, two sinners getting together and say, oh, I'm sorry, you're sorry. Yeah, let's start feel sorry for each other. That's not accountability. But find a forum where you know that not only have you sinned against God, but you got to go to that friend and you feel horrible. You got to go to them and say, you know what? I blew it again. And you don't want to have that conversation. That's accountability. That's the kind of friend you want. That's the kind of friend you can be for someone who comes to you and they are like, oh man, I got to tell Jim this week. Or I got to tell Terry this week. Or I got to tell Elizabeth this week where there's this sense of grief and remorse against, for God and what you've done against him and for your friend who loves you. That's true accountability. By the way, if you're not being that kind of accountability partner in a relationship, then maybe you need to get out of it. You need accountability. You also need to remove things and people that tempt you on the outside. Some of our temptations come from within the lust of the flesh. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says that bad company corrupts good character. You know, as parents, we try to protect our kids from, from bad company. 
But as adults, we aren't as good about it. Well, then I'll be strong. And we say, well, Jesus said in John 10 and John 10 through 17 that we're supposed to go in the world. And he sent sent us like sheep out among wolves. Yes, he did. But he told us to go in the world and be a light and be different, but to love the world while we're in the world. So if you're in a relationship or in a community that's causing you, you see yourself this pattern of falling and falling and falling again. Maybe it's time for you to get out because you're not strong enough to stand in there. Recognize the repeated patterns when you're tempted. Seriously, when do you fall? What time is it? Where does it happen? When are you tempted? When are you prone to fall? And if you know all these things, don't go there or get someone to call you during that time. Remove yourself and say, this is when I'm weak. Look at your pattern, change your routine. If you're heading the wrong direction, listen to your God GPS that says, recalculate, recalculate, recalculate. Listen to that voice called the Holy Spirit. Replace that thought with God's word and some praise. You know what? This is so true. We need to renew our minds and replace our thoughts. By the way, Revelation 12, 11 says, they overcame the evil one by the power of their testimony. When you begin to praise God for what he's done in your life, Satan runs. Be a worshiper. One of the best ways to remove temptation is just get in a spirit of worship. And there's... I mean, you can get out in creation. There's many forms, but often it's just turn on some worship praise music and just listen to it. Let it resonate in your heart and fill your mind with God's goodness. Don't sit in dark places, men, in front of a monitor, computer screen, all alone for too long by yourself. You'll fall. You will fall. Learn from others, too, when it comes to having a a, a pattern or a path. Learn a battle plan. Learn from other people. Find out how they've made mistakes. Learn from them. One of the, I think one of the, the, the best ways to illustrate this is, is to learn from the fly. There's wisdom in this. You guys have all seen fly paper. And this is fly paper. I can remember as a kid, we would set this in the summertime and we would set it out in our, in our, on our porch or we'd set it screen in porch, we set it inside. And what would happen after a period of time, this fly paper would just be loaded with flies. In fact, I've collected a few here today. And so what happens is the fly sees this, it wants to come and it wants to, to, to see what's there. And so it flies around and it sees something that it's tempted to. And here's, here's the thinking of a fly. I've seen these things completely loaded with flies. It's like the next fly comes along and think, well, I'm going to end up different than that guy did. It's like we believe that somehow we can overcome and that we, we won't fall. Like, and so we get close and we circle around this temptation. And the closer you get, before you know it, you're sucked in and you end up dead like this boy is right here. And we believe somehow we won't end up like him. Let me tell you, it's a vicious cycle. The closer you get and the longer you hang there, you will fall. During the first service that I was demonstrated, there was a fly that was circling around this flypaper. And I was hoping so badly it would land, but it didn't. Truth is, we're no smarter than a fly. If we believe that we can circle our temptation and we can hang around this and we believe that somehow we won't overcome or we will overcome on our own, you will end up like the fly, dead on the trap, unless you remove yourself from the temptation. Learn from the fly. The fly will die. And he believes that somehow he won't, like the other guys, 
Satan will twist the truth for you. Oh, it'll be okay if you get close. He just bump it a little bit. And so that's what you do. Just touch it a little bit. And if you touch it a little bit, you won't get caught. And so what happens is you get pulled in just like the fly and you are done. Learn from others. Also, repent when you do fail and recognize that God has forgiven you. Don't believe the lies of Satan, the accuser, who says, shame on you. You should know better than that. God will never use you. That's the 17th time you've done that. Do you think God will forgive you again? He'll never forgive you. Day and night, he accuses believers. Pray, ask for help. One of the patterns that I pray for every day, most of you know this, I pray and I put on the spiritual armor, I put it on the day. I can tell you very few moments or days in my life that I've forgotten to put on the armor of God. I see it as getting dressed physically. I get dressed physically, and one of the first things I do is while I'm getting dressed physically, I get dressed spiritually. This morning I get dressed spiritually. Put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And I walk through the whole armor of God. I put it on. And so as I walk through that, I get to the end of this and I read in, the, in, in God's word that Jesus said for us to pray. He taught us how to pray. And then I get to the end of his prayer. And it says this. It says that it's possible for us to pray to God that he would not lead us into to temptation. So I look at that and I say, so Lord, do not lead me into temptation. If it's possible for God's help for him not to have me walk through temptation today, guess what? I'm praying it. So I pray, God, lead me not into temptation. And then I pray, God, deliver me from evil. If Jesus thought that prayer was important enough for us to pray, guess what? I'm all ears. I'm doing it. I often pray this. And God, if others aren't praying this prayer, help me have their, so I can have battle overcome their temptations and any temptation that comes my way. So I have a pattern of accountability, a pattern to overcome. And just remember... Sin is not that we want bad things. It's wanting things too badly. Let me wrap up by saying this. Here's the truth. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. We love this passage and some of you have memorized it. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love. And we often stop there because we like that. God doesn't want us to be fearful. God doesn't want us to have, uh, to be timid people. It's like God didn't give you timidity. You're not supposed to be timid when it comes to sharing your faith and living out your faith. And if you are, it means that you're not walking in the spirit. And we like that because he's given us a spirit of power and love. And then it says this at the end. He's also given us a spirit of self-discipline. No, you don't often hear that attached on the end. Here's what that means. That means that any temptation that comes your way, if you're walking in the spirit and leaning on God, that you have the spirit of discipline to say no. People will often say, maybe they said it to you, and people have said it to me, Jim, you're just a real disciplined person. And I said, not on my own. The only reason I'm disciplined because I believe that self-discipline lives in me by the spirit of God in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I just choose, not all the time, I fail often and you know that, When I'm walking with God, I just choose to have self-discipline. And here's what that means. You can say no with the help of the spirit that lives in you. That's your way out. Why not walk in that power? 
some of you are going to have to make that decision. I'm going to have to make it today. I don't know what your temptation is. You know what it is. Maybe you have an eating disorder. Maybe you're saying, you know, I just, this eating disorder wants me to be really, really thin. And I look in the mirror, I just look big. And so I just want to throw up. And I just, and so maybe that's it. Listen to me, by the power of God and the temptation when it comes your way, the word of God says, he promises to provide a way out. Maybe it's eating too much. Maybe it's the gossip. Look for the way out. There's the spirit of self-discipline that lives in Christ followers that doesn't live in people who aren't Christ followers. Exercise it. There's no reason to fear what comes your way because the Holy Spirit's presence in your life provides a way out. God, help us today. There's a lot of truths that we looked at today and I also know this, God. We're going to walk out of this room today And the same temptation that we walked in with is going to be facing us. God, maybe it's to say something disparagingly about somebody that we shouldn't. Maybe it's to steal. Maybe it's it's to, to look where we shouldn't look. Maybe it's to eat too much for our lunch this afternoon. Maybe it's to waste our time in laziness when we should be doing something productive. I don't know what it is, God, but you do. Help us to see that no temptation is less, weaker, greater than any other temptation. But help us to see, God, that you promise a way out to those who look for it. So, God, I pray. I pray for victory. I pray that we would put patterns in our lives that help us overcome. And I pray, God, as a result of that, we will turn to you and just say thanks. God, may we not destroy our testimony by some horrible moment in our lives where we lean on ourselves and we believe the lies of the enemy. May we live above that, God. So God, we know today that the myth has been busted that when salvation becomes ours and we own it, that temptation will still be something that we struggle with the rest of our lives. Help us to stand on the victory side more than the defeat side, God. And may we honor you in doing so. We love you, God. Go with our people, lead them, give them victory this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next week.